Hello and welcome to Fascinating Nouns, your stopping point for incredible people, places, things, and ideas. And today I got a big one. Today's guest comes all the way from down our mutually shared hallway. This is Jeffrey Taub, and he has the elite distinction of living every boy's dream, running away and joining the circus. He's currently an actor and stage performer in Los Angeles. Welcome, Jeff. How are you doing? And he's currently my roommate, I should mention. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm doing good. I'm glad I can make it here on time, given the commute. <laughs> Thank you very much. I got to ask you, uh, our listeners can't see it, but what's going on with the beard? We got, we, he's got like the uh, Kimbo slice thing going on. I've, got the shaved I've head and grown the this beard. giant beard, and, I, and uh, just yesterday I decided to uh, shave my head real short. My hair was getting a little crazy, and, uh, but I've grown this beard. I've had it since early November, four months now. And um, I haven't booked a job in a while, a commercial and acting job in a little while. So um, it's my way of, uh, of, I'm not shaving until I book a job. So it's sort of- <laughs> Like a, a strike beard. Like a strike beard, except you know I didn't want to eat or this. And it, I always grow a beard around the holidays and then the new year hit and I said, you know what? I'm not gonna shave it off. I'm gonna keep going with it. You're like those guys who have a Christmas tree in their living room in March. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I go on an audition where they're like, we need you to have a beard and then be willing to shave it and we'll pay you lots of money. And then all the different facets of my life, career-wise, will come into fruition. I love, I love the plan. <laughs> well, I think, it, yeah. I like the distance of it. Uh, all right, so let's talk um, about your journey into the dark world of professional clowning. Because I, I don't know much about it, and most people don't. So tell me why you got into it. Um, let's start there, why you got into it. Well, um, I had never uh, done clowning before until I was about 20, ironically. It wasn't something I ever thought about doing as a child. I never had a theatrical bone in my body as a child. In fact, I was, except when I was at home with my family, outside in the public, I was a very introverted kid. Um, I did a Christmas play when I was in the third grade, and I played the boy who got the lump of coal, you know, because he was bad. Right. All the kids get good stuff and you get the lump of coal. And then an older student playing the mom takes me off as I pretend to cry holding the lump of coal. And I got cast in that by a teacher walking into the classroom and saying, we need a scrawny little kid who looks like he would be bad to play the to play a part? You and, I, and that's how I got cast. I didn't audition. I didn't. They chose me, and that was in the third grade. And I didn't do anything theatrical until I was in college. After that, it might have scarred me for a while. Did you have the shaved head, big beard thing going on back I then? Did, I did. I did. I did. Uh, it was. Uh, it was again. Again, I looked. I, I looked very much the part. I was scrawny with this big beard, and uh, yeah. So that's what did it. And that's, so that's what started you. So then what Well, happened? I mean, that happened in the third grade. I didn't yeah. do anything theatrical since then. Yeah. I, I wound up um, going to college, and I wanted to study marine biology. And then through the course of um, dating a girl who's in the marine biology department, she wound up working in the theater department, working on like the lights or sound or something on plays. I went with her because she was like, why don't you come with me and stuff? And they wound up needing someone to work uh, props. Um, and I said, sure. They were like, find this list of stuff, bring it to us, that's props. I was like, great. <laughs> and then everybody was really interesting and great and I wasn't doing that well on the science side of things. And then over the next few semesters, I took some classes and I wound up becoming a theater major and um, did an off-campus holiday production of A Christmas Carol. And it was this in very interesting version of that play where it was a troupe of performers coming to town to perform the show. So it was one of those shows within a mm. shows kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And they had a troupe of 
commedia style kind of clown performers that played sort of within the troupe, that uh, sort of in the show, the Christmas Carol that they were performing, played all the furniture, they played the kids playing on the street, you know, they played all the extraneous parts, all the extras, like all around. And um, I had to do clown makeup and we had to create costumes. No and that's where I first started doing it. The person who was the lead performer among that, she had some clown training and she taught us. And um, it was uh, much more theatrical clowning, mm. uh, which is to say that it was simply, you know, putting on some makeup and stuff and wearing funny clothes and getting up on stage and doing some pantomime and things like that. I, I, I was had no idea, had never done anything like that before, but that was my first little introduction was doing this version of A Christmas Carol. So when did you get out of marine biology and how did your parents take that decision? Oh, um, well, let's say my first semester at school, uh, I did extremely bad, but that was because I went out a lot. I, I'll paraphrase this by saying um, I grew up in southern Louisiana, I grew up in the south. Um, it's a very uh, social atmosphere growing up. Um, but I grew up in a military household and I grew up and I went to Catholic school. So I grew up in a very sort of like, I never went out on dates. I never went partied. I never did anything like that in high school and stuff. Very much kept at home, very, you know, school, home, school, home. Mm. And we lived in a very rural area. I had to take two buses to get to school. So when I got to college, I mean, I did some stuff in high school, later on in high school, going out with friends and drinking a little bit and, you know, the usual things, but not to the extent that some kids did. And I guess when I got to college, the freedom just went to my head. And literally, um, I'd go out five, six nights a week. And I, at the end of my first Jeez. semester, I was almost on academic probation. What? I think academic probation was a 1.5 out of uh, yeah. like 1.4999999 nine, 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 out of uh, 4.0. Right. And I made a 1.5. <laughs> I flunked two classes. I dropped the class. I did, and and it was I wasn't focused. You're like a Catholic schoolgirl. Yeah. Except in a, uh, yeah. Except it was in, like wow. Jeff gone wild his first semester, and um, so yeah, uh, I wound up not doing very well. And then the second semester, uh, I took some easier classes to try to get my GPA up, and I reined things in. And my parents, you know, gave me a stern talking to if you don't get your grades up and this and that and stuff. And, um, and my second semester is where I met uh, the girl that I was dating, um, took me to the theater and I did a play and worked on one. And I liked the people and it was interesting. So that summer I took summer school to make up for the classes from the first semester and got back on track. Right. And then the next semester I really liked those people, my sophomore year. And I said, I'm gonna take some introduction to theater classes, like theater 101, mm. that kind of thing. And I told my parents, I said, if worse comes to worse, they're electives. It won't hurt my, because I was a freshman. I hadn't really had, uh, I hadn't declared a major. Hmm. And so I declared, I, I took a general studies major before I committed to hmm. doing anything. And, you know, general studies is just like, you don't know what you want to do. You know, you have no direction. And I didn't. And uh, the science classes were hard. And marine biology, I grew up watching those Jacques Cousteau specials. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's a lot more than just, you know, the water, she is there. And now I will send my son into the shark because I'm not going in there, you know. And then you, you watch the show and it's, it's science. No, it's no submarine on no, your first, uh, yeah, no, first semester. No, it's, it's hard work. And while I had the um, innate want to do that and I thought it was a great thing and it still interests me very much, I don't think I had the discipline or the acumen mm -hmm. to have it as a career. Mm -hmm. 
So I took some theater classes, worked on some plays. My parents, the one that I did props for the semester before, came to see that play and they were so, he did the props, that's our clock from our house. Ah. <laughs> they were all excited. And, uh, and my grades got better. Uh -huh. I was doing very well at school. So at, I worked on some plays behind the stage for that next sophomore year of school. Uh -huh. And by the end of it, my grades got so much better, I really liked it. I was taking classes. I wasn't on stage yet. Um, I did one play off stage. I did uh, Fiddler on the Roof mm -hmm. with a, the, the same theater company that I wound up doing the uh, Christmas Carol with. Okay. They were like a local professional theater company. And, uh, and I told my parents, I said, I think I want to switch my major to theater and do this. I don't know. And I think they saw that I had, I wasn't having any direction and this was the first thing that I was really interested in. Yeah. You know, here I am, this young guy with no direction, kind of a weird guy, kind of an introvert who's becoming an extrovert, finding himself in school, meeting all these interesting people. Because that's where, when you go to college, especially in a place like, and not to generalize, but small town southern, small town anywhere. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the more weird and interesting people tend to flock to the arts. It's I true. think that's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. And uh, because they've always been different and then they find, and who knows where that, what came first, the chicken or the egg, but in that regard of how it had all started, but the arts attract people who think differently than others. And what's also funny about that is most people, that's, that's, that's a trait people want to see in other people thinking differently because it's so rare and yet you get made fun of throughout your whole life for it until you hit adulthood when people are like, oh, I wish I could do that. Yeah. You know? And it's, that's when you're rewarded after and you've been scarred for life and thrown on this, you know. Ironically, it's that scarring path. and everything that pushes you to this possibly. It helps inform you as a performer later on because that's what you use, whether you're a stand-up or this or that. So, yeah, I, yeah I, I, I don't know, like, again, which came first, whether you can have one without the other. I don't know whether we'd have a lot of the artists we have today in any genre um, if they all grew up with regular, wonderful, easy lives right. with <laughs> no trauma or anything. Yeah, Unfortunately, one begets the other. Yeah. Um, wonderful, but boring. Yeah. Healthy, wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> but my grades got better. Um, my dad was a career um, Air Force and Air mm. Force Reserve. Um, almost 30 years in it, and then a uh, very blue collar, wound up working for the parish government, which for those of you who don't know Louisiana, a parish is a county. Mm. So he worked for the county government, basically. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, at the uh, local power plant for another 20 or so years. Um, so he was very blue collar and everything. And other than my uncle Paul, who used to be in the late 70s, early 80s, he lives in New York and used to do soap operas. And in a recent five or six years has gotten back into doing acting as a means to make some extra money and is now doing a lot of extra and featured extra work in New York and getting mm -hmm. back into it. He was the only other real actor in our family, kind of the black sheep. Everybody else was very blue collar and everything. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but I was the first one in my father's family to do this type of thing. And so I was waiting when I told him, oh, I want to do theater and stuff. But by then they saw that my grades were better, that I was coming out of my shell. They came to see shows that I'd worked on. They came to see the play that I was in. I think by that point they were sort of like, they were fine with it. Mm -hmm. You know, my mom was absolutely fine with it. Um, my dad, uh, I think he just, it grew on him and when he saw that I was doing, I don't think he ever thought that I'd make a career out of it or what I would do. 
Like a um, passing fad kind of. That's well, yeah, saying. or just like I was like, well, I can graduate with a general studies. Is that any better than theater? Right. I was, I guess, was his idea. Yeah. So you know, I mean, because I had no real degree, so at yeah. least theater, I had a focus. Yeah. And then, uh, so yeah, and then uh, I wound up my junior and senior year because you know, as theater goes, as college goes, people graduate mm -hmm. ahead of you. The people who get all the good parts graduate and leave, right. and then you get better, yeah. and then you fill that void, whether you're really or, good or, or not. Or you're the only guy there who fits the right. role, yeah. Uh, so um, my junior and senior year, I wound up doing a ton of plays, including uh, this Christmas Carol where I got involved with clowning, which I did two years in a row, two Christmases in a row. Christmas of my junior and my senior year. So then, so you finished school, you got your degree in theater. Yes. Uh, did you transfer into a clown college then, or how did it? No, um, so one of uh, my upperclassmen in mm -hmm. the theater department, Monica, mm -hmm. who was a year ahead of me or so, was in the both productions of A Christmas Carol that we did. And, or at least the first one. I, I don't remember whether she was in the second, but definitely the first one. And she was looking at graduate schools. And I was a junior, and she came in with um, this thick magazine, which was sort of like a, a compilation magazine that she got somewhere of all the current master's degrees, graduate school programs for theater around the country, breaking down, you know, all mm. what they do, what you need to apply, this and that, where they, all that kind of thing. Did they rank them on how good they were? No, just just no, by curriculum. It was kind of like alphabetical, and here they are, <laughs> and that kind of thing. It wasn't that because it wasn't like one of those three-inch thick things you can buy at the bookstore. It was about okay. maybe half an inch, an inch thick, and and I was flipping through it, and uh, and you know there were some schools that I was interested in that um, I did apply for a master's degree program to a few of them a few years later, and we'll get to that later perhaps. But um, in it were two schools that really fascinated me. And it was ironic that I was doing, the first time doing clowning at any time. Yeah. The first time, the first ad in it that I saw that really struck me was for Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Clown College. Hmm. Was an ad or it was It was. It was like a, it was, a, well, they like were all, they were all basically piece. ads. Okay. It, it was, it was like a breakdown of the school, I mean. Got it, got it. So it wasn't so much an advertisement, although it seemed like one much more because it had the logo <laughs> right, and the clown's yeah. faces and stuff like Different that. Different set of paper. And, so, I, and, yeah. and I read it and it was very interesting. It was like, you know, Ringling Brothers Clown College. And I guess they decided to put it in there to advertise, to get as much word out as they could. Hmm. And it really, really interested me. Now is this, let me pause you one second, is this before or after Comedia dell'arte? I don't want to, if we're going to... This is before. Before, okay. This is before. So I saw that. Mm -hmm. It interested me very much. I also saw an ad for the dell'arte School of Physical Theater, which mm -hmm. in, after Ringling Brothers I attended as well. Okay. So these two things very much interested me, along with a couple of other schools, DePaul University in Chicago. Mm -hmm. um, Great theater program. Uh, yeah. Um, there's a, the San Diego, there's a, a a Shakespearean or a conservatory program in San Diego that I applied to years later, a couple of years later, and had no shot of getting into because they took like 10 people a year mm -hmm. and it was like a three, a two year program instead of a three year. And when you got out, you were automatically in the AEA, the wow. equity theater, and they got really? you a job. Yeah, it was like, it was sort of like the creme de la creme of master's programs and, and a few others. But the Ringling Brothers and Delarte really interested me. Mm -hmm. um, that summer, so we did that play. I did finish my junior year out. That summer of my junior year, which was 1990, 
No, 91. Mm-hmm. No, no 90, sorry. 1990, okay. That's 1990, yeah. Um, I saw through that, I contacted them and found some information. The closest audition for Ringling Brothers for the Clown College was in Houston. And one of my good friends mm-hmm. that I was in school with, and, and I'm in Thibodeau, Louisiana, which is about an hour south of New Orleans. So Houston's not that far away, a few hour drive. Yeah. But uh, one of my friends, Hap, uh, his, one of his sisters lived in Houston. So him and one of my other friends, Celeste, we all decided to make a road trip out of it. It was the middle of the summer. Drove to Houston, stayed with his sister for a few days, saw Houston a little bit, and I went and auditioned. Um, the audition was at the arena where they were having the circus. I think that's the same arena that I saw WrestleMania 17 in, as a matter of fact. Really? In Houston. Like the Astrodome or something? Yeah. Yeah, that's where it is. Yeah, yeah. And I'd been to Houston before a little bit when I was younger. Um, my, my grandparents took me and my brother to go to uh, Astro World and Water World for like a week-long thing, you know, and, and that sort of a thing. But I hadn't been there as an adult, so it was fun to go out and see it and yeah. be with friends in college and that sort of thing. And I auditioned for the circus. And it was in one of the three rings, and there were about 20 people, 25 people, and I even got interviewed afterwards. What do you do to audition for it? So the, the performers come out, they're all... The current performers. The current performers of the show, a few of them, five or six of them. Soon they drive out in a Volkswagen bug. <laughs> <laughs> Full clown gear, yeah. costume like for the show, because they have shows to do that day. Right. Um, and they, uh, they, they go through physical exercises, they watch you, mm. they teach you a very small clown routine, and then have you randomly pair up with people and then rehearse that clown routine and then perform it in front of everyone. They have you do stuff with them to see your reactions to stuff. Yeah. I mean, they're just trying to gauge you physically, whether you have the physical chops and the sure. improv and the, the- You got it. Yeah, that the, spark of, yeah, cl- of, of just, is this something that we can build on yeah. to do this? Yeah. So I did it, and it was fun, and I thought I did very good. Ironically, the person that I was paired with, mm-hmm. a guy named Jeff Rogenbach, mm-hmm. at that audition, wound up attending, when I got accepted to the school a year later, was in my class. Uh, in the clown college? At the clown college, no the kidding. guy I was paired with. So that was kind of funny. When we saw each other, we were like, hey, wow. we know each other. And that was like, you know, yeah. a year and a half later. So I went and auditioned, and then they said, they handed us these uh, thick pamphlets about the school, and in that pamphlet was a uh, application. So, so you didn't even apply. This was like a cold audition. This was a for cold audition. You could go. You could do it either or. You could just apply. You had to apply. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to go to these auditions, but they help because they videotape you. They take your name and everything. They show it. Got it. So I. Uh, I left the audition, left Houston, came back. Now they told us, don't apply again. Uh, don't apply until around Christmas. Because it, it happens in the fall of every year, and this was already the summer. They were already, uh, the school was already pretty much booked for that next fall, uh, fall sure. thing. Because it's only two months, two, and a half, two to two and a half months of that's, school. That's clown college. That's clown college. It's like a boot camp. Okay. You learn all the basics. You create a costume with costume designers. You learn about makeup. You create a look. You learn your skills. You find out what you're best at. It's like six days a week for like 
four to five weeks and then it's like seven days a week for the final three where you're putting together an actual clown show, two hour long clown show mm. for the people who own and run the circus. And then basically they have performers who are leaving the show and they have slots to fill. It's almost like an NFL draft or an NBA draft, you know? Wow. And think about uh, the clown college is where you learn everything. Well, and then the, the show that you do yeah. at the end is almost like the NFL combine where they okay. wanna see your skills and what you can do. And you know, if a stilt walker left the show, then they might be looking for another stilt walker. Mm. So that might narrow things for that one slot. But of course they want you to be well-rounded in other things. Right. So, you know, and then they, if they need, there's two shows, there's two circuses. Mm -hmm. And depending upon how many clowns are on the show and how many slots need to be filled, out of the 30 or so students that are attending the clown college, they choose however many they need, five, eight. In my year, they chose 12. Hmm. So the word college is a little bit hyperbole, because it's like, more, yes. it's more like clown workshop, but I guess people wouldn't go and attend clown workshop. Yeah, but, but, this, is, but this is sort of like, uh, you it's, know. It's Ringling Brothers, so it's, yeah. like it's the real deal. I mean, they, my year, they had maybe like around 2,000, 2,100 or so people apply worldwide, and they chose 30 of us. Wow. You know, Oops. people that actually applied, that doesn't count the people who showed up to auditions who never sent in an application. Right. So, yeah. Because huh. we had a guy from our year uh, who came from New Zealand, who got accepted, he was from New Zealand. So that it's was like, very interesting. Wow. Everybody okay. else was pretty much uh, American or, or, uh, or North American. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, I didn't apply, I went back to school. And uh, this is the trouble with getting old. That was the summer of '91, not '90. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so you, so you applied. You didn't. So you did not apply to the school. No, at that point. not yet. I, okay. I went to the audition the summer of '91. Yeah. Went back to school, and then the Christmas came around, and I was to do uh, a Christmas Carol again. And this is your senior year of. College. This is my senior year of college okay. now. Um, I was doing a Christmas Carol again in an actual uh, in another theater, a nice little small theater, mm. uh, closer to where I lived. They moved it from the year before, and I was offered a part because I had done it the year before. And I had a little bit more training that I went on my own. I looked up makeup. I bought a book on makeup. My makeup was a lot better. You did your own makeup? I did my own makeup, learned how to do it. Because we took makeup classes in school, so I just kind of yeah. transferred that knowledge to this a little bit. It still wasn't you know, something that would, you would call professional, but it looked yeah. way better than the year before. Right. <laughs> the costumes were way better for the clowns and, sure. and everything. It was a much better production, I think, overall. And uh, so this was on Christmas break that we did this show. So I was at this little theater and we were doing two shows a day on the weekends. And in between <clears throat> shows, people would go get food and this and that. And I would bring food and I had the application. I said, well, they said around Christmas, so there I am in between shows in clown makeup, doing a clowning in a show, filling out my clown college application. Lives, eats, sleep, and breathe in clown. At, at that time, yeah. At that time, yeah. And then uh, I, I, I filled out the application. I sent it off. Now, the application was very interesting because it was unlike any other application I've ever seen before. They wanted to know um, who is your favorite performer and why. Who... Uh, who are the people that inspire you? When was the last time you cried and what made you cry? Hmm. Uh, what makes you happy? It's like a psychological test. This yes. is intense. Yes. How, because, how long was it? Uh, it? It was a fold out cover. I would say about 
four to five pages. Front and back? Front and, well, four to five pages total, like three pages front and back, fold out like a gate fold that would yeah. fit in the thing they gave wow. us. Um, and the main reason was, well, they saw how you physically performed at the audition. Yeah. But they want to get an idea of who you are as a person. Whether you're mentally break down under the pressure? Well, whether or not who you are as far as your sensibilities and this and that. But yeah, mm -hmm. also, I mean, if you get the job, you're living on a train mm -hmm. for 10 months out of the year. You really live on a train? Yeah, with hundreds of other performers, most of which are from, you know, Slovakia and China and this, and not everybody speaks the same language. And sometimes you have to do, uh, you have to do like uh, three shows a day, or some weekends you do a thing that they call a six pack, where you're doing like Saturday, Sunday, three shows a day, two days in a row. Wow. And you're living on a train, and the train has, you know, limited water supply. So you're not showering when you're on the train for a few, maybe for a couple of days until you get to the next place, to the arena where there's actual showers. So you have this creepy makeup on all the time. After the third day, it's like gotta be leaking and you look like something. Well, no, <laughs> I mean, you're you when you're not in the show, you take the makeup off. It's but not they don't have any water to take it off. That's what I'm saying. If you can't take a shower. Well, you, you don't, well, you don't take makeup off. Well, you take, you take it off at the arena after the show. Oh, use their water. After the show, you go take a shower or some people use, you know, baby wipes and don't oh. even use the shower some people use uh, baby shampoo in the shower on your face okay if it gets in your eye and it eats off, it eats was, off the makeup. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had a really no, no, no. creepy vision in my head no, no. Of like but but I've heard train stories. cars with <laughs> I've heard stories of people who would go um, because there's animals on the train they have to stop every so often to water break the animals, that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, because it's law and you want to treat the animals good and everything and, and take care of them. So performers will actually run off the train and there are spigots on the side of the train for ho to hook hoses up to and stuff like that. But like regular garden spigot sized things. Yeah. And there'll be people running off if it's like the second day and you haven't shed, run out with shampoo in hand and a towel, turn it on, stick their heads under it, shampoo their hair, rinse it off under the water and then tobble it off and run back on the train because it's only a 10 minute break and whoever gets there first gets there first and washes their hair. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's that kind of a thing sometimes Holy because it's, it's a traveling army. You know, yeah. it's a show. Yeah. And so they ask you these psychological questions because I think they want to know. Like, like astronauts, they do the same thing for astronauts. Who you are as a yeah. person, not that it's as intense as being that, all you're that. you're stuck in this small but yeah, area. So they want to know who you are as a person to get to know you, but also to sort of have a little bit of a psychological profile on you in a very, you know, sort of natural questions and everything. But I'd never seen anything like that before. So yeah. it was very, very interesting. And uh, I think for my favorite performer at the time, I was really big into Tim Curry. Yeah, as an actor, because so, of because of it, or well, because uh, um, uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, and then things like um, so not Pennywise that had nothing to do. With no, 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 that had nothing. Although I knew about that, of course, yeah. and stuff. But um, I, he was in the movie Clue. He was just a very funny, broad performer, and I just really fell in love with him as a performer at that time. And he was one of my favorites, and I put him in because he did various things, and he's done theater and this and that, and I really like him and. You know, and they just want to get an idea of who you are at that point in time. Yeah. And whether or not you can handle the rigors of this and the rigors of the clown school. Yeah. So you, so you went through that. So you, uh, clearly you made it. So you got into class. I did, um, yeah, I sent it in. And then a few months later, my last semester, my senior year, they were having another audition in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. I went, well, what the hell, I'll just go. So I went with my friend Danny Petrie, gave me a ride, went. He wound up going to audition too. They were like, you don't sit on the sidelines. And he had done, he was a theater person too. So he went and auditioned. 
with me. And while we, when we all introduced ourselves, this one was done at, at, uh, at like a hotel, like in a conference room, because mm -hmm. it wasn't with the circus. It was like a special one that they were doing outside of the circus. And Steve Smith, who was the dean of the school, was holding the audition okay. with Ruth Chaddock, who was like makeup designer and like a very high up in it too. And when we introduced ourselves and I said my name, he went, really? And he went into his briefcase and pulled out my application. <laughs> he had it on He had it on, on him and he said, we were hoping that you'd show up to this one. Is that true? That really happened? Seriously. Blew me away. Wow. Because I guess he figured we were here. He looked through the applications. He pulled mine already thinking maybe I'll show up because it's in my area and closer than Houston. Yeah. And I did. And, and he didn't do that shtick with everyone in the room. This was just you. Just me. Hmm. Just me. So I auditioned with my friend Danny. We did our routine, the routines together and stuff. Um, and I thanked him. And uh, my buddy Danny actually wound up applying after that. He was so excited about kidding. it. Um, and then the day of my college graduation, I'm in the shower. Okay. Showering, <laughs> washing my hair. See where this goes, yeah. <laughs> and the phone rings and my father tells me it's a guy named Steve Smith calling me from Florida. No kidding. And rinsed hair, throw a towel around my waist, go into the next room, pick up the phone. And it's him going, hey, Jeff, it's Steve. Hi, how you doing and everything? Great. I just wanted to invite, formally invite you to the 1992 class of Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Clown College. No kidding. Like no less than four or five hours before I'm going to my college graduation ceremony. That's, did he offer you a full ride or did he? Uh, well, the school itself is totally free to go to. Uh, there's no charge except for a materials fee, and then you have to pay to to live like for the two months at like mm -hmm. the the hotel that they put you up at, the villas yeah. that they put you up with. But um, I did get a waiver on the uh, on the fee of all the equipment they give you. Okay, so you did. So it was like a full, basically a full ride. Basically a full, a full basically ride. a full ride. I, I said you know financial hardship. I can't afford this, or, yeah. and it was seriously so at the yeah. time. Just out of college, I didn't have a job. Yeah. And it was like seven or eight hundred bucks, which is nothing compared to the fact of what you got because I left with like four hundred dollar handcrafted clown shoes for my feet that I still use today, a wig that cost more than that, a full costume, yeah. the makeup, you know, all the stuff I got was way more than that. Handcrafted clown shoes? Handcrafted clown shoes. Did you handcraft them or someone else's? I hands? did not. There was a um uh there was an artisan who I believe he has since. Sorry, uh, yeah. it's a funny word to use for a shoemaker, clown shoemaker. Well, I mean. They take a mold of your foot like plaster of Paris? And not so much a plaster of Paris mold, but like within the first day or two that we were there when the school first started to get everything prepped, you know, they take your measurements, they do all this kind of stuff. Yeah. They would put your foot down on, um, on this sort of rice paper, kind of, mm. and take an outline of your foot. Yeah. And then not so much plaster of Paris, but then they took like, but then they took this other stuff and they wrapped it around your foot and it kind of stayed solid, not like dry, but it just kind of, and then it kind of molded to your foot and then you took your foot out of it. Yeah. So these are literally molded to your feet. Like wow. they're the most, com they're some of the more comfortable shoes I've ever worn because <laughs> they're specific. I, you, you know, when somebody says like, you know, I had these Italian handcrafted for my feet from scratch and yeah. they're the most comfortable shoes. Yeah. Almost like that, actually. It's like someone caressing your foot every time you put it on. Wait, so here's, what, here's what's really funny to me. So they took your measurements. Yes. Here's what's funny about that. When you're a clown, everything's sized incorrectly. You got baggy pants, you got tight shirts, you got, you know, everything yeah. is sized. So then why they well, take your measurements? Is, well, because this, is, because this is for the internal part of the shoe. 
No, but I mean like your other measurements. They take like your waist. They're like, oh, he's a 32. Perfect. We'll make it a 48. You know, like. Well, well, you know, they they because they don't know what costume you're going to design yet. This uh, is at the very beginning. Okay. As you go through the school, you start meeting costume designers um, that they would bring in for the school that would develop all the costumes. And these are guys who have worked on, people who have worked on Broadway shows. Mm -hmm. No fooling around here. Yeah. And, uh, and so at this point, at the beginning, you don't know what your clown concept even is, what kind of makeup you're going to do, what kind right. of costume you're going to have. Yeah. Because, um, you know, if you're a juggler, and that's like your, one of your main focus is, in uh, performing, foci, foci, foci. <laughs> if that's if that's your your main skill, yeah, you're not gonna want to have baggy sleeves. That makes sense. You're gonna want to have a sleeve that has a cuff that comes mm, to mm. your wrist, and then you don't want sleeves that are really poofy and baggy. You want something more straight laced because otherwise it gets in the way. Yeah. So you might have your overall costume might be more streamlined. Okay. Compared to somebody who does something else, who has the big baggy costume, and it all boils down to skills and character and style and what you've been learning and what interests you. So you know, mm -hmm. and that all comes together later on. So how does that? Let's talk about that. That's because that's interesting. How did you develop your look? Like how does that? What's the evolution of that? When you first come in, like how I mean, do you... when I first come in, there were about thirty of us. We all got accepted. This was about uh, late August, early September. The school went from like September, October for about eight weeks. Mm. And you had classes every day, uh, six days a week, five and a half days. Like you got one half day off and one full day off a week. But you'd be there at like 7.38 in the morning um, until about five and then have the evening off and eat lunch there and then have the few, a couple hours off and then come back from seven to about 10. For evening classes. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that was the first five weeks. The last three weeks when you're developing the show, you had no days off. And sometimes you were there at eight in the morning until one in the morning. Oh, wow. Okay. Working on your stuff, developing a show, because this was for a job. And you had other people you're doing gags with and skits with. And I was in the stilt walking number. And so you have all these different things. So you have, you're getting a lot of stuff thrown at you. It's like a reality show. It's like you're living to get this job. It's like The Apprentice or something. It like kind of is in a way. It yeah. kind of is in a way. And um, so in the course of the first half of the school, you're taking classes in makeup. Mm -hmm. You're taking classes in uh, some costume design classes where you're learning how to sew. Like you had the, you had the, the one of the first things we had to do, because some people don't know how to sew. I didn't know how to really sew with a machine. I'd done some of it because of theater and stuff, but yeah. nothing like that. Um, you had to create your, your boxer shorts. So you had all this material and you had to choose what material you wanted. And they had the design for you and they showed you how to do it. And you had to make your first pair of clown boxer shorts. Wow. Like the big oversized baggy boxer shorts that you see when people were like, ha ha, and they drop their pants and there's the big boxer shorts. Yeah, yeah. I just thought they, were, thought they were standard red hearts on those. That's traditionally a fun thing to do. Yeah. And even today, I do have a pair of regular oversized, I just bought it like, Kmart wall whatever yeah. you know whatever box store whatever of boxer shorts that have hearts on them because <laughs> yeah. it's just it's a it, it's funny it's very funny it's it's, very funny. it's you know it's it's the cute thing to do yeah so it's a banana hammock those are funny if you if the, well if, the, if, the, if, the, if, a, if a clown lost his pants and he's I wearing think or wearing nothing that's that even might funnier be, that might be more of a European style circus <laughs> yeah. I think something something in Monte Carlo maybe that would be funny the guy is. Anyway. I don't doubt that something like that has happened. <laughs> I'm, sure. I'm sure somewhere out there somebody said, you know what? <laughs> sure. You know it would be really funny. So, were there, so when you made the 
boxer shorts, there wasn't an artisan. This wasn't like, this is you doing it. Me making my own, yeah. Because yeah. they want you to learn these skills. And, and then you had makeup classes, and they, uh, very early on, they, took a pla they did take plaster molds of your face. Okay. Where they cover your whole face and they put the straws up your nose so you can breathe. Yeah. And then... Is that weird? Is that like claustrophobic? It can be. It was the first time I ever happened and stuff. But it's all right. I've had it done a few times in really? my career uh, okay. for various things. They also did it... We also did it at the uh, Del Arte School because we had oh, to do mask sure. making. Yeah, yeah. And then I've done it for a couple of other things for shows and stuff where I've had to do that. Um, but uh, we did that because then you'd make the positive of your face out of that mm -hmm. and then that's what you with clay you design your clown nose on oh wow. and then you do it and then you take that and more plaster and you put that into a big like styrofoam cup with the yeah. clay nose that you've designed on your face so it fits yeah. to your face yeah and then you take that and flip it over into that into the uh, more plaster of paris in a cup and let it set until it dries pull the face your mask off your face off dig out the clay and now you have a negative of your clown nose, hmm. which you then pour latex in, let that dry yeah. to a certain point, pour out the excess latex, and then peel out the nose, cut it, and then you've got a nose that fits right to your face. This is the stock red nose, I assume. Well, no, I mean the stock like Bing cherry yeah, round like, noses that, that fit, so those are things toy. you buy. I mean, this is like a latex. No, so you can design it into any shape you want. That's incredible. So you can, so you know, if you want something more petite or long or something more round and bulbous or just a character shape, a yeah. hobo nose, whatever you need, you could design. And um, So what did you do? I did kind of, I did this fun, it came off my nose and then it kind of, it kind of looked like a, um, like a, like one of those round uh, Christmas lights on the end of your nose kind of <laughs> yeah. shape. Like coming out to like a little micro, like a little round head at the end, but further <laughs> yeah. away from my face rather than just right there. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and most of the sides of the most of the nose were uh, flesh tone with the same makeup I'd use on my face, except for the end of it was red. Okay. And for that, you use more uh, paints uh -huh. because then it's permanent. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah. And then I think for for so many years, I wound up having like I think I made like six or eight of them for me because you had extras. Mm -hmm. And you put it on with liquid latex and stick it onto your, you know, adhesive and stick it onto your nose for the show and wear it all day. Wow. Or between shows or what have you. So how'd you pick your look? Because um, mm -hmm. your look's pretty basic. Like well, the, the look I do now yeah. is, uh, different? is very different. What was the look then? The look then was... Um, it, was, here, it was the 90s. I'll hold up a picture. Because right, yeah. that's great for radio. Paint, paint a picture verbally. Um, Use your words. So there are three types of clowns. Mm -hmm. There's a white face. Ooh, we're going to get into all this. Yeah, yeah there's a it. white face, yes. which a lot of people have seen, which is sort of like, you know, it is what it says. It's it's the all-white makeup with perhaps eyebrows on it or red on the cheeks or some kind of colored affectation on top of that. And these are all characters, because like, um, I was doing a little bit of research, mm. so there's like, those three types are specific characters. These are sort of archetypes. Archetypes, yeah, there you go. So then there's, uh, there's white face, mm -hmm. then there's Auguste, mm -hmm. which is sort of, uh, uh, which, all, which all these... T these first two are traditional European sure. kind of things. The name like Auguste. Auguste, yeah, very German, I think. Yeah. Um, Auguste is more, uh, are the clowns that you see that have, um, so to give an example that the public would know, mm -hmm. Ronald McDonald, for all intents and purposes, ah. is a white face. Oh, so not Bozo. 
No. Okay. Bozo, if you look up Bozo the Clown, Bozo is an, is an August. Very okay. extreme. Very old school. Okay. Like his makeup comes from like, you know, the style of like the 50s and the 60s and even prior to that. So he's not a white fa face even though he has white face. Yes. Because white face is total white with, co with affectation colors and, and things on it. To be to make it simple, okay. Auguste is when you see a clown that actually has flesh tone on their face. Auguste traditionally have white around the eyes of to some degree, and white around their mouth to some degree. But then they have flesh tone makeup around that, and then they use other colors for eyebrows and things and all that. So, and then there's a third type which is sort of a catch-all category, which they call character. Well, so let me, so Cookie on the Bozo Show, he's Auguste. Because he wears flesh tone on his face, and he has—he yeah. looks a lot like Ronald McDonald. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he might fit into more of a character. It kind of depends because sometimes it's subjective. Well, when you get like to certain makeups. Wizzo, Wizzo looks like an goose, but he's definitely a character. Yes, but he's clowny. Yes, I mean, a character clown is sort of um, a hobo clown, like the guys you see Emmett Kelly. Okay. Guys you see that have like the fake makeup that looks like they have a beard and a five o'clock shadow and they wear the shabby clothes. But hobo clowns uh, are the most famous kind of character clown. Okay. But there are others. Characters sort of like, well, you're definitely not a white face and you're definitely not an Auguste. Yeah. So you're over here in the character clowns because that's the catch all for everything else that's different from the other two. Got it. And um, just like in Commedia dell'arte, and just like in, um, in any comedy, there are, well, just like in, in any kind of TV show even, because most sitcoms have those archetypes. Mm -hmm. You have people that are superior to others in situations. Right, 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 right. So, I mean, Abbott and Costello, you have a straight man. Right. And mm -hmm. you have the funny guy. Sure. Straight man in the circus, traditionally, traditionally now, with clowns is a white face. Okay. Because they're more prim, they're more proper. They're more sort of the straight lace guy. Okay. That's a white face. Got it. Funny guy is more than likely the Auguste. The guy that does more of the physical comedy. He's the more the butt of the joke. He's the more the crazy guy. Mm -hmm. And characters can fit anywhere well, in there needed. and stuff. As needed, anywhere. They could be another one. Um, a great example, uh, Marx Brothers. Mm -hmm. There you go. Groucho Marx, while doesn't totally fit, um, actually, uh, uh, Zeppo, uh -huh. the straight man of the brothers, yeah. he would be a white face. The brother that, the good looking guy of the Marx Brothers that always got the girl that the other three were running around after, he's the white face. Okay. Because he's the straight man. He's uh -huh. the romantic lead, if you will. And then Groucho, Harpo and Chico are are different versions of that. You know, uh, you know they might either be an Auguste or a character or this, but they're the bumbling trio. Uh, Groucho may be a character clown that's more in line with a white face because he's the leader. Right. And yeah. then you've got you know your Auguste and your character with Chico and Harpo. Right. But there's a hierarchy in comedy when you have a team. Mm -hmm. You know, Laurel and Hardy, Abbott and Costello, the mm -hmm. Marx Brothers. You know, even, I mean, you could go as far as Lucy and Desi. Right. Lu Desi was the straight man. Yeah. Lucy was the clown. Right. And a brilliant one. Yeah. So, I mean, there you go. And so that's in clowning when you form a sketch. Traditionally, 
it's the white face who's the guy who's the straight man and then dog boost and of course as time goes on as things change as tastes develop and and things evolve things get loosened and changed and evolve to be different but that's kind of traditional okay so at the school you take classes you try all the different styles of makeup as you take classes in makeup you're taking classes in improv and you're learning clown gags and you're learning to juggle and you're learning all these different things and from all these things stewing in a pot together and learning how to do it you find out what you're good at mm, what okay. you don't want to do yeah. what you excel at what you're not good at and through that it enhances your choices and it informs your decisions of Oh, well, I really like the way that makeup looked on my face, and I'm good at this and stuff. So it kind of, as you go along, it evolves and pushes you into a direction. Now, this might not be a direction that you wind up sticking with, because I had a friend, uh, Joshua, who got uh, on the show, and he was an extremely great clown. Mm -hmm. But his makeup was not great. He had no decision. He was sort of like I was back in college with no direction. Just everywhere. He had a, a, an interesting costume, but his makeup wasn't great, but he had all the skills. He had all the, he was a fantastic clown, but he had a white face and it wasn't very good. It didn't really fit him. When he got on the road, they told him, you get on the show and stuff, but you're redesigning your makeup. Yeah, get a care. Get a care when he was on the road, he wound up redesigning it um, to be a uh, more of an Auguste. Hmm but uh, an Auguste character look. And he worked with some of the guys who were already on the show and they came up with something that he really liked and it met approval by the show. That's perfect. And it works with your costume and your wig that you have and everything. Yeah. And so he wound up doing a total 180 and changing once he got on the show. Huh. Okay. But some people had theirs developed and boom, ready for the final performance and you had your character. They just knew. They just knew. Yeah. And, um, and the same thing went with your costume and, and this and that. I actually wound up doing the whole big baggy pants thing because mm -hmm. one of my uh, favorite teachers, one of my teachers, I had many favorite teachers, they were all great, but one of my teachers who did a lot of physical comedy, um, a great kind of performer uh, from Chicago named Jeff Jenkins, mm -hmm. did, uh, great he last had, name. yeah. Great last name for a clown. Great last name for, <laughs> I yeah. Jenkins. yeah. <laughs> I'm Jay Jenkins. Um, he had a pair that he would teach in of really baggy black clown pants, kind of vaudeville style with the suspenders. Uh -huh. But they were black and they bagged down and he could do a pants drop by letting the suspenders go off and he could pull them all the way up and do all these type of things. Mm. And I really liked it and, um, and that inspired me. So I wound up uh, having a pair made that actually clipped together with buttons so I could make them tighter for when I had more form, when I needed to be more formal. <laughs> right. And then I could unbaggy, you know, de undo them and, and bag them up. and. And then one of the, one of the guest instructors um, was this wonderful European clown, Italian clown uh, named David Larible, who uh, was the uh, main performer, like the, the, the star performer for one of the Ringling Brothers shows for a number of years. Um, and he did this wonderful hat routine. Hmm. He sort of had this flat, sort of like a newspaper boy hat, like from the 20s, oh, yeah. but like much bigger and floppier okay. with a hard brim. And he used to spin it in the air and spin it from hand to hand over his shoulders and do all these acrobatic hat moves with it. And I was fascinated by that. And in the prop department with the costumes and stuff, I found a hat similar to that. Uh -huh. 
I started playing with it after I saw him perform and stuff because he they they took him from the show and had him come down for a day and sort of guest lecture. Yeah. And I fell in love with it. So when I designed my costume and stuff, I said I want a hat just like this, <laughs> made you, out of the same. You just ripped it off. You just made this main made out of the same material as yeah. the pants. Uh -huh. Okay. And uh, and changed it a little bit. Had a clip on it so I could clip it down and like flip the brim up sure. and do kind of different things. But yeah, it um, it inspired me. Mm -hmm. It inspired me. One of the guys on the show, uh, like when we chose our wigs, yeah, he didn't want a wig. He said my character's bald. Was so he, was he bald? No, he was not. He okay. had a uh, he had a um, he had the, the skull cap. Thing? The skull cap, which are you find different materials and make a skull cap toned to your face or the clown makeup you're going to use. Uh -huh. So he had that, and he would just put it on, and he was a bald clown. When he got on the show, I met him on the show like around six months later and visited the show when it was in New Orleans. He was shaving his head. <laughs> I was going to say that. He says it got too hot, dude. so I just decided to shave my head. Yeah. And so uh, like every couple of days. And you can't shower, so your head's smelling yeah. like a So every couple, of, every, every couple of days, he would just, that pre-show, he would just <laughs> shit Barbasol and shave his head. Man. Yeah. But yeah, so all these things inform you. Um, with what you do as your character, with what you're good at. I wound up being a very big clown with my physical reactions and stuff, so mm -hmm. I could have the baggier clothes sure. and the baggier pants. And I was pretty good at falling down, doing all the slapstick stuff. Not as good as some of my classmates, like my buddy Brian was phenomenal at it. So let's, let's, let's talk about what, what were you good at? What were your top, what were, the, what were the skills you were good at? What were you not good at? The things I was already juggling. Mm -hmm. How many, um, how many things? Three. 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 Eight. I could juggle, I think during the course of the clown school, I wound up getting up to four things, which I can still do today. Uh -huh. uh, for a while, I was able to do five, but then I don't juggle as much as I used to and I didn't keep my skills up. That's a little harder for me now. Now, is this but, just balls or is this like things that are delicate well, and I could juggle, dangerous? I could juggle <laughs> like four things like balls and rings. Cubs, I was just juggling three, mm -hmm. and I could pass, but you know, when you toss them back and forth with a person, I could do that a little bit, very rudimentary. Mm -hmm. um, there was a guy though who showed up named Chris. Mm -hmm. who just could, Chris? Well, Chris Taby. <laughs> Chris Taby, in case you're listening to this, fantastic juggler. Um, he came being able to already juggle, like, I think, like five or six clubs. Oh my God. He was already, I mean, because you have these skills. So, I mean, I was an okay juggler. Yeah. I was an okay. This might have been my one of my downfalls. That why I didn't get ex I didn't get chosen to go on the road. I didn't, I was not offered a job. Um, not to let everybody the suspense and let everybody know, <laughs> but I was not offered a job because it is a business when it all is said and done. They're yeah. putting this investment in you. They're trying to choose the right people because sure. they want to fill slots yeah. that need to be filled. Um, I was a very sort of piecemeal. I mean, I was good. I was pretty good at stilt walking. I think I was at like six or seven feet stilt walking, but there were guys in the show, my friend Joey Cola, uh, who lives in Vegas and works in Vegas now and stuff. Um, he was on the show for I think like at least three or four years, um, married someone from the show. And, uh, and he, was, he was walking when we left Clown College, he was walking like 12 foot stilts I think, or even higher. And, in the sh and then he wound up for a short period of time holding and breaking the Guinness Book of World Record for like the tallest stilts. No kidding. Uh, with that weighed the most to go walking the certain, you know, like 
at an arena with like walking in the like he's so high with the rafters like when you lift the stilt it's like wobbling to put it down (laughs) I mean he held the Guinness Book of World Records for a while so I mean he was extremely skilled at that and I was sort of like good at this good at this good at this good at this but now that I look back on it I didn't excel at any one thing Mm -hmm. you know yeah I was kind of average yeah but you could do it all. You're... But I could do it all. And that's what, and maybe that's not what they were looking for. Mm-hmm. And maybe I wasn't as funny or as particularly skilled as some of the others. You know, I was sort of like a jack of all trades. So I didn't shine or pop right. as much. I definitely had the desire, much more so than I think than a lot of people. Yeah. But that'll only get you so far when, the, when it's a business prospect, you know, sure. when they need somebody to do a specific thing. Yeah. Uh, but you did end up going on the road with another circus, right? Yeah. So um, uh, we finished the Ringling Brothers. They brought you in the next day. And after all this wonderful stuff, they bring you into a room and they all sit down. And the dean is there, Steve Smith, talking to everybody. And then one of the vice presidents of talent and production comes in and he holds a piece of paper and he goes, we'd like to thank you all for attending. When I list off these names, these are the names of people that we'd like to see. And he lists off, and I think they listed 16 names. 12 were going to the show, seven to one, five for another. And then like four or five people were like alternates. But to give you a take on how they need people, one guy went to winter quarters because they were developing one of the new shows to get to go. And uh, winter quarters is like two months, and it's where it's basically rehearsals, pre-production. You're creating a show. He didn't make it through winter quarters. He quit halfway through. It was too rough for him. Wow. And then they brought someone else in. And someone quit halfway through the year touring with the show. Brand new person from my class. Right. Someone else went in. Someone else quit. Someone went in. So they pull you from like a reserve list? Were you like considered like the minor league? Well, you, well, well, you were an alternate. You're like, well, these are the people we definitely want now. Uh, you people are good enough to where if we need to fill a slot later on, we'll call you up. And if you still want to do it, you can do it. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't offered a job. And I wasn't offered as an alternate. So it's kind of like after all this work and everything, it's kind of like a kick in the pants and everything yeah. and whatnot. I came back home to Louisiana, uh, stayed there for the next year. Street performed a little bit in New Orleans in the French mm-hmm. Quarter with uh, with some friends who I would stay with who are ex-ringling mm. clowns. Uh, one of my buddies, David Costello, who was, I think, the grand-nephew of... Lou Costello. Is that right? For real, yeah. So when he went to clown college two years before me, he got a lot of flack for that. Are you going to be as funny as your uncle? (laughs) Um, But we street performed in the French Quarter. Um, And uh, yeah, and then I moved out to San Francisco. I had friends who lived in San Francisco and I wanted to get away. And then I had applied um, to some graduate schools, master degree program, because when I got back, I said, well, what do I do now? Yeah. So I applied to some graduate schools for master's degree programs. Only one of them offered me a chance to come and audition, and that was LSU, Hmm. which happened to be right nearby, hometown. But I didn't make it into that. I didn't get accepted into the master's degree programs. Hmm. And then I remembered the Del Arte School. So I went back to my old college and went to the stage and shot a video Hmm. of what they needed to see. They needed to see some acrobatics and some of this and some various things, which I knew how to do because I just got out of the circus school. Right. And mailed them off uh, application and and a... a VHS tape. A VHS tape is what Whoa. a VCR uses for I'm those of you who do not know what a VHS tape is. Yeah. It's not digital. It's not a CD. <laughs> it's an actual tape with spools of film in it. 
Yeah, so I mailed one of those off. Holy cow. And and then went about my business. I had a job back home. I was living with my parents (laughs) and uh, had a job and was just kind of going about. And that summer, I got called by Ruth Chaddock, who who was my makeup instructor at the Conn College. And she Mm -hmm. says, the show is coming to New Orleans, Baton Rouge. And uh, do you want to do some advanced clowning? And I was like, well, what's that? I didn't know what that was. Mm-hmm. You're going to go to New Orleans and stuff, and you're going to basically do press. Hmm. Like, before the show gets there, some in- press that will get on the news, get in newspapers, go on the radio, and promote the show. Like stunts, or do you mean like a press conference? No, no, no. Like actual, like, um, well, some of it would be like, just like this, but in full clown gear and makeup and all that, going to a radio program or onto a local news channel and being interviewed a little bit and doing mm. some wacky stuff and go, and the circus is coming and announce it, the dates and everything and that sort of a thing. Yeah. But it was also going to like a children's hospital hmm. and uh, performing and walking around, doing a little performance for a bunch of the kids and then uh, going around and taking pictures and, and saying hi to a lot of the kids in the children's hospital, in the ward there at the children's hospital, um, while cameras are there, of course, and stuff promoting the show, and it gets on the news, so it's good for the show, and it's a fun thing to do for kids, and, you know, it's all promotional stuff, but that was very heartwarming and very fun, and it was my first interaction since leaving the clown school, and I tried teaching some classes at some local Shriner things, and making money any way I could, and, and, uh, and then the Del Arte School called me uh-huh. during this time that I was back home. So that was, Ringling Brothers was the fall of 92. This was getting into 93, the spring, summer of 93. And Del Arte called me and said, you've been accepted. Out of the two or 3,000 people worldwide, you're one of 30 people again accepted to our school. Hmm. And I was like, great. And they were like, can you come this year? Like that next fall for, now this was a full, 10 month long, year long program. Yeah. And I was like, I can't, no. <laughs> I, this is just so rapid. I don't have the money. I don't have this. I don't have that and everything. I live away. So they were like, well, any year you want to come, you're accepted. And then serendipitously, a friend, one of my best friends, invited me to move out to San Francisco. I had some other mutual friends who were going to move out there to go live. And I sort of was like, they were like, you want to come? Change it, and I was like, San Francisco, Del Arte is up in Humboldt County, up uh, in Northern California. Mm-hmm. And I was like, perfect, I'll already be there. So I called the school and told them I'd like to come the next year. And they were like, sure. So I moved out to San Francisco, lived there for a year, had a good job, worked, saved, 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 saved. Uh, did all of my financial aid, all these different things, made a plan found a guy who was also from the Bay Area who got accepted to the school and we drove up, we packed up this big station wagon and we drove up together. And I spent a year at the Del Arte School of Physical Theater studying uh, physical theater performance. Um, well, let's, let's stop it right here for a second because we're, okay. we're, we're out of time, but I want to hear more about this because I want to hear about your, because tra- you traveled across the world in, on another, in a circus eventually, right? Yes, yeah, I traveled with, I performed with several different shows. Okay, well hang on to that. We're going to get to that coming up on the next episode. But um, for this one, I want to thank everybody for listening to Fascinating Nouns. Please tune in next week for the rest of the Jeff Tobbs story. Good night. <laughs>